twin tie of lights in the sky. Twin tie. Episode 20 of Lights in the Sky podcast. <laughs> casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. Who mispronounces numbers now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Tony. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, this is the podcast where we take a shallow dive into all slash some things paranormal. Yes. Um, we start off with a hypothetical, we lead into a story, and then we end with um, flicking through a random um, paranormal investigations book from 1982. It's a shallow dive because we have dinner just before the podcast, and you know, you're not supposed to go swimming straight after dinner. So just a wee paddle. <laughs> um, so Dip the two. So you've been out of the country this week? I have. I've been in the Moa of SARS. <laughs> no one knows what that means. <laughs> no. You've been in Samoa. Samoa, yeah. yeah. Um, anything paranormal happened to you in the past week? Uh, not paranormal, but I was chased down the street by a large Samoan man. Really? Yeah, I was. What did you do? Well, I was walking along the waterfront in Apia from the hotel just killing some time and this i have my head i have my headphones on which normally in most places means that people you're podcasting well i was listening, I was listening to podcasts and <laughs> right. i was like i you know do not disturb me it's like the do not disturb on your room mm-hmm. effectively that's what the headphones are in real life yeah did right and um I was you like to do that so that you don't have to give to charities that's right isn't it that's another part of it yeah <laughs> you, you, you plug it in look look i think i think just before we get into this tale i give to two charities i give to the new zealand blind foundation and unicef i'm covered <laughs> okay i'm doing my part yep okay yeah but i mean it doesn't look, give look, you the license to completely openly slag off charities like you tend to do i don't slag them off <laughs> I don't give them offensive you can finger just say, gestures. No, I don't. But you're going to lead into yeah. you're going to lead into the little ways that you do slag them. There's off, no hate you? mail. There's no offensive finger gestures. Yeah. I just I, I just but say, what? look, I've made a choice with my money. I can't support every. I mean, you can't support every charity. Can we not? Can we not just soapbox about how we can't help people on this? <laughs> Anyway, well, you were down on the waterfront. Okay, so this is my charity, Royal New Zealand Foundation for the Blind. I don't know if it's royal. Um, <laughs> the Royal UNICEF Foundation for Children. Again, the yep. royalty is in question. Yep. And we do this podcast for free. So, yeah. so in fact, this costs us money to do. It so, does. Yeah. So we do it for fun. It costs me gas and tolls every week. Yeah. Even though I'm in town anyway and there's no tolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So... Um, so you were down on the waterfront in Samoa with your headphones in and small do not disturb signs hanging off, off of your ears. That's right. I took them in the hotel room and my room and the one next door and hung them off my ears and mm-hmm. was charging along. And this man, he launches the handshake and I'm like, damn it, you have nailed this. <laughs> There's the talk. You can get away with the talk. But when you launch it with the handshake, that um, that spear came at me his hand mm-hmm. i was like damn it he's found a way around the headphones <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna touch me so i touched him back God. and um yeah he's saying talofa mm-hmm. like, hi he's like talofa is hello in Samoan. i said i yep i know <laughs> yeah we learned that in primary school yeah i know that did you learn that in primary school um, you probably went to primary school, school in a probably a lower socioeconomic area. So you yeah, I d- that's why I asked yeah. because I was, it just occurred to me that um, yeah, I went to a Eddington, school with a lot probably. more. That was a lot more multicultural. Yeah, 
And you went to probably a rich I went to white, a, a, white school. Yeah, a Catholic primary school with only white people. So, so just, you didn't learn a little bit of They Ireland refused speak? to tell us. They refused to tell us. <laughs> it signs up banning people <laughs> yeah, like did. that. That's the Lord didn't speak Samoan. Why should you? You grew up in 1950s America. <laughs> <laughs> Not the good kind. Yeah. Amazing churches in Samoa. I mean, that. yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he launches in and he's trying to sell me tea towels and I had dishes to do at the time. I did Perfect timing. To do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I love tea towels. <laughs> you don't. I do. <laughs> right. I really do. You like a good souvenir one or is it more about what it's made of? Or? Uh, no, look, I, I like it to be a little bit quirky. So, um, the recent ones I bought, I went to the black estate. Wine. Oh, they have boobs on them. No. <laughs> You think of aprons yeah. <laughs> with boobs and muff. <laughs> muff. Um, <laughs> just go, just go past it. So, okay, power on through. Now I'm looking at the microphone. It's reminding me of something. Keep talking. Um, so, <laughs> I um, most recent ones were from the White Pro Black Estate Winery. Bought one there. Oh, racist! And when I was in Akaroa, I bought a a nice one. Uh, there with New Zealand native flora and fauna adorning it. What fauna? Uh, the best kind. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. How did you get out of the handshake? Um, so I had to open my wallet and show him I had no tala. So tala uh. is the currency. And I'm like, do you? I was like, do you accept credit card? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a man on the street. It's one of those ones where you, you know he doesn't, yeah. but you try it on knowing that um, it gives you an out because you say, I'm paying for everything by credit card. Yeah. Sorry, I can't help that's, you. That's all I do. And that's the big thing in the Pacific. They only take, you know, not many places take credit card. So I opened my wallet and I said, look, I'll show you quite clearly. Here it is. There's nothing there. Mm. And I'm like, I'm, he's like, where are you going? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I'm just walking. <laughs> and I, to me, I didn't. I was like, I'm probably trying to find like a supermarket because I'd like to buy like some chips. And like, I want to get some Coke. Mm-hmm. The drink. <laughs> and and, so, and some water. Yeah. Because I need those things. The drink? Yeah. <laughs> so, he's like, the drink? so he's like, uh, I might see you on the way back. And I was like, okay. Still will only have a credit card. It's like, yep. So did that. And then went went to the, um, super, found a supermarket, got the stuff I wanted. I was walking back and it's like 32 degrees Celsius. Uh, scorching hot mm-hmm. and then as I walk back I come around the corner and I'm like I'm going the other side of the street this time and there he is <sighs> and hand goes up waving and I'm like I like put like my arms together so he can't shake my hand <laughs> oh my and I just start running you make things so weird and then he, he he's turning around he's yelling after me about about <laughs> this how did you do this and I'm just so I'm bolting down the street and then like I get to this there's like this big parade so there's this police per, um, parade comes out of the police station they're all playing musical instruments and blocking the street this is and something like, out of Ferris oh, Bueller no I'm stopped so he catches up to me and I was just like I don't have any money. It's on my credit card. I didn't get any money out. He's like, but you said you would get money out. I'm like, I did never said that. So I do not want to get money out. I said, you, okay, I'd like tea towels. I do. But I don't have the tala. <laughs> There's no tala. <laughs> so um, then he just sort of waves me off an offensive gesture and I kind of leave. God. He offered a, he was a, he was a good deal though. It was, uh, I got three for the price of two. 
<laughs> you didn't buy them, though. No, well, I would have. You had I had the money. Really? Were they good-looking tea towels? I like tea towels. I think we've talked too long about your tea towel experience. So, what's the, so there was one souvenir I did buy. Can you guess what it was? Uh, Keyring? Fridge magnet. Oh, damn. Of course it was. <laughs> it's your thing. I love my fridge magnets. <laughs> so, yeah. as good as a fridge magnet magnet. That's right. A, a magnate magnet. Yeah. Cool. Um, just uh, to make it all about me, um, ask me if I had any paranormal Did you have any paranormal experiences happen this week? Yes. <gasps> Possibly. Was it in Samoa? No. Oh. Um, so last night, um, out at my house, it was quite foggy. And about 9.30... The misty moors of mid-Canterbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 9.30, um, my mum knocked on my door. Mum lives next door, tidbit. Um, went outside and asked me what this blue haze was. So um, I went out and looked into the distance, and it was a really, really bright patch of the sky. Okay. Um, I'll show you the picture that I took. It's, imagine the, um, the, all of the surrounding area was just black, misty haze, kind of, um, street lights were kind of the yellowish light that that's all you can see. Off to the distance, it was like there's a rugby field or something over in the distance that kind of, if you had the, um, just hand it to you, if you had, um, if you had all of the lights on in the rugby field or um or something like that and it was reflecting up into the sky but there's nothing over that way other than paddocks um so you can see in the photo it's really really blue light it is it's it's not like uh because you can see the street lights are uh, are quite orangey as they Mm. as they are Mm -hmm. um but this is yeah it's it's blue it was so bright that um if you were to go that way it felt like it would be daylight somewhere um so did you go and investigate i did not go and investigate (sighs) but i do have this blue light picture which i can put up on instagram you could have struck an you could have struck an ufo yeah yeah i mean um uh like here's another picture you can see it's quite pronounced and kind of opposite it was a bit of a pinkish haze, which I kind of put down to just being like reflective from it or something like that. But it was really strange. And then about 15 minutes later, because my sister was driving home, so I was going to text her and say, can you drive past it? Um, went back out there and there was just nothing. It was so gone. It was gone. Yeah. It was back to just normal sky. So it was kind of weird and it was brief, um, but it was very pronounced blue and if i if i went to different parts of the yard um it was like um bluer if you know what i mean so much clearer to see that there was something really really bright going on down there so like logical explanation would be like someone shining some sort of light um it was kind of too big to be just light so that's why i'm i immediately thought is there a rugby ground over that way because it it was like like floodlights from a um sports venue something like that yeah so whether there was a gathering of um harvesters or something because the only thing down that way is paddocks like farms so but it was kind of distant enough that it was past the edge of town but close enough that it wasn't you know miles away after that 
should have driven down there just didn't because was cooking or something i mean that's the thing you burn the house down for <laughs> yeah, sure it is, is. <laughs> <laughs> um nice so i'll put that on instagram with no filters on it and people can make their own mind up um and also respect to you for not using a filter thank you yeah it's like in this sort of like um materialistic age we live in hmm. yeah hmm. well done thank you no filter hashtag no filter it's like uh cigarette in asia they don't use filters apparently That's right yeah hashtag woke up this way <laughs> um the other thing that happened which was kind of cool is i scoured my library full of leather bound books and uncovered yet another um absolute gem of a paranormal book called the unexplained files this one's similar to our mysteries of the unexplained um is it made by the same people it feels like it but i don't know it feels like it because it feels like a book and the other one is also a book no see the last one was reader's digest this one is called is is by the book company Mm. <laughs> could have worked harder on that name yeah so i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna come out on them here and say it's hardcover well you're looking at it yep. so yep. yep small limb yeah <laughs> tiny limb but <laughs> that's good there's some exciting things in there is it dedicated to anybody in particular or is it uh, left undedicated like uh, the last book was to katie uh, to dad from katie and chris no <laughs> there's nothing although in the back let me just flip through here the mystery number <gasps> for no reason for no reason all right oh, so Chris, christopher i apologize if, <laughs> if, if katie because i knew it was your your brother and sister so <laughs> i apologize it was uh, not well not your brother and sister with the same names so so um Sorry, i don't know how we're going to i don't know how we're going to incorporate that too much into the show but it's got a place somewhere mm, I'm sure. it has we'll work yeah. something out um there's some fascinating images and um stuff so it's probably going to be something i'll just keep posting up pictures on instagram and um everyone can have a look at it shall we jump into a hypothetical or shall we skip we've done a lot of intro this week so mm. maybe we should skip and put one in the bank fine <laughs> no it's <that's> a good <laughs> idea <laughs> all right Wait. This week, are you reading a story out of the... I was just files? about to reveal to you that um, this week's tale is brought to you by The Unexplained Files from 1996. Um, I, this, is, this is quite staggering. Yeah. I have to say, this is, this is groundbreaking. It's a really good one that I, that I came across. I read it uh, the other night and I was like, this is just prime The people fodder. have to be told about this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So this was... Um, the mystery, the magic, the moment <clears throat> needs to be shared. I'll just take the the um, ye oldy dust jacket off so it doesn't doesn't. Keep oh, that's good because it's got the it's, underneath the dust oh, jacket. Look at it's that. the same it's cover. It's like a brand new. That book is now. absolutely pristine. It's like new car smell on that thing. <laughs> that is gorgeous. All right. So, have you heard of Hanging Rock? It sounds like something I think I have heard of. At least I've heard the term. Maybe I've heard the word hanging and the heard of rock. And you've put them together. I've put them in together mind. in the mind, just yeah. then and now. So I, I would, I mean, I welcome you to elaborate. So Hanging Rock is a landmark in Australia, about an hour out of Melbourne. Have you been there? I your, haven't been there, but you but have just booked a trip to Melbourne. I have just booked a trip to Melbourne, um, and may go there. 
You're going there. <laughs> I don't know if you I better am. better go there. Well, we'll see if I go there. You better go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just don't bother coming back if you haven't gone. This is a, is, this is a um, mystery fit for page one of the unexplained files I, I thought maybe we were just looking at it sort of going to give us no some no sort of no here we are who made the book but no literally this is page one jumping page straight in one material okay go for it all right saint valentine's day 1900 which i assume is drop, valentine's day i dropped the saint <laughs> when do we drop the saint i wonder interesting yeah um post 1996 apparently <laughs> <laughs> Dawned sunny and sparkling in the village of Woodend near Melbourne, Australia. It was the day the annual school outing at Applegate College on the outskirts of the village. Early in the morning, a party of schoolgirls and teachers drove out with a picnic to a local beauty spot. It all started out as a happy occasion, but by the end of the day, four of the group had mysteriously disappeared. Okay. And what's more, three were never seen again. So four disappeared... And only one of those four came back. Correct. Okay. The story has it that the party of girls and teachers set out in a hired coach to travel to Hanging Rock for their annual picnic treat, a popular place for picnickers as at the turn of the century. Hanging Rock is an unusual geological formation of volcanic origin and several million years old. It rises majestically to 500 feet from the, from an otherwise flat plain and terminates in a jumble of miraculous, miraculously balancing boulders and monoliths that give it its name for sightseers. A small picnic area has been laid out a short distance from the base of the rock, comprises some makeshift stone tables and, and suitably discreet toilet facilities. <laughs> for, I think it says for dogging. The party... For what? <laughs> The party from the college included 19 girls, most of them in their teens, and two teachers. These were... I think I've found a typo. We're going to call her Diane. <laughs> the name... I think I think they want to say Millie, but it's M-L-L-E. M-L-L-E. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's quite right. So it's page like... one, they've got a typo. Potentially, it could just be a weird French name, because the last name is Deportier. Anyway, who taught French and dancing, and Greta McCraw. She taught French? Yes. Okay. A middle-aged Scottish spinster who taught maths. The only other adult in the party was Ben Hussey, the coachmaster from the local livery stables. Mrs. Appleyard, the headmistress, remained at the cottage. At college. The party had set out early Saturday morning to cover the 41 miles to the picnic site and arrived just before midday. It was warm and sunny, and after the picnic lunch, most of the girls seemed to have been content to doze under the shade of the trees and boulders. The only other party at the picnic area was encamped some distance away on the other, on the far side of a small stream that ran down from the face of the rock. Does it mention what snacks they had for this picnic? Doesn't say. This group consisted of, consistent of Colonel Fitzhubert, formerly of the Indian Army, but who had subsequently retired to more mellow climbs, Mrs. Fitzhubert, their nephew, um, on a visit from England, and the and Albert Crundell. About 3pm, three of the senior girls asked permission from the French teacher to explore the rock. The three girls, Irma, Marion, and a girl remembered simply as Miranda, were all aged 17 and known to be sensible. After some discussion with the other adults, 
during which, incidentally, it was noted the only two watches with the party belonging to Ben and Mrs. McGraw had stopped at the time of noon. So okay. two watches have stopped at the time of noon. Curious. It was agreed to allow them to go ahead. As an afterthought, Edith Horton, a younger girl aged 14, was given permission to accompany them. So four people decided to wander off on their own. Three of them were renowned as um, sensible students, so were allowed to leave with a 14-year-old in tow. It's the sort of thing that you and I in high school would never be allowed to do because we're just too easily distracted and not trusted enough. You'd probably have individual Sherpas and things at your rich white Catholic school. <laughs> Whereas mine would just be free reign. Like maybe one Sherpa with a stick. The girls walked away from the picnic ground, crossed the stream and disappeared from sight at about 3.30. Michael Fitzhubert and Albert Crundall were sitting beside the stream watching them. Uh, Irma crossed first, followed by Marion, Miranda, and Edith. Albert let out a wolf whistle. Mike got to his feet with the intention of following the girls, but gave up after only a few yards when they disappeared into a line of trees. The rest of the party stayed at the picnic site and dozed off. At about 4.30, Mr. Hussey became anxious about gathering his charges together. He and the French teacher now discovered that Mrs. McCraw was missing. No one had seen her go, but it was assumed that she had followed the exploring girls. Um, the Fitzhubert party had by this time packed up and gone home. Nice of them to just ditch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Initially with irritation and eventually with consternation. And other... Constitution? <laughs> well, there were those private facilities, weren't there? So Hussey and the, the French teacher searched for the absent members of the party. First checking the toilets and then organising the girls to search <laughs> in and pairs. constipation. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> in there, dear. <laughs> a trail of broken bracken and scrub and disturbed scrub led them to the southern face of the rock from the east. Beyond that, where the stony ground of the rock itself began, the traces petered out. And this is where things get interesting. Nice. So they get into the end of the day. Some people are missing. There's some tracks, but they are, uh, eventually the tracks lead nowhere. For nearly an hour, the distraught picnic has searched. Then at about 5.30, Edith Horton suddenly blundered out from the, rock, uh, from the bush in the southern west side of the rock. She was screaming hysterically and could tell her interrogators nothing of what had happened. Of Miranda, Irma, Marion, and Miss McCraw, there was no sign. By now it was getting late and would soon be dark. Mr. Hussey lit fires along the creek and also continued to call out, beat upon two billy cans with a crowbar. But with nighttime coming on, the two adults eventually decided to gather up the remainder of their party and return to the college. On the way back, they stopped at the police station where they made a statement. On the following day, the search for the missing woman began in earnest. It was assumed that the girls and their teacher had got lost in the bush and the police enlisted the help of local volunteers to search the rock. This was no easy task since it was a treacherous place with many caves and pits um, hidden by rough bush. At the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day searching, nothing had been found. Meanwhile, uh, Wooden's Dr. McKenzie had examined Edith Horton, the one that um, popped out of the Mm -hmm. bush and didn't know what was going on. She appeared to have been suffering from a mild concussion and had numerous scrapes, scratches and bruises acquired during her flight through the bush, but no other injuries. She could remember nothing of her time on the rock. Weird, right? 
Later so in the week. Okay, so like a period of memory loss with a bit of a scuffle and then a flea yep. from the scene which has scraped her up a bit, yeah? Yep, so, um, yeah. I mean, one person found, but they have no information about where the rest of the people are and no memory of what, of what they happened, did while they were away. transpired in that time. Later in the week, on Wednesday, so this all went down on the Saturday, so quite a while later, she was interviewed by Constable Bumfer. When she made the almost casual revelation on her way back that she had passed Mrs. McCraw heading towards the rock, Mrs. McCraw had been some way off and had paid no attention to Edith's screams. Even worse, Edith bashfully confessed the normally prim spinster had been improperly dressed. She had no skirt on, only her drawers. So she saw one of the teachers that supposedly followed them, um, but when she called out... Uh, there, there was, was no, no response. response. And she was in her knickers. And she was in her undies. Her panties. Yeah. The search continued for panties. several days while the police systematically interviewed all of the witnesses. A young uh, Michael Fitzhubert seemed a prime suspect. If foul play was involved, he had been the last to see the girls. So that's the guy who saw them leave, was about to follow, and then decided not to. Yep. It admitted to starting to follow them, but there was no other indication that he might be responsible for the disappearance. Um, uh, the police soon abandoned this line of inquiry on the Thursday following the picnic the police brought in an aboriginal tracker and a bloodhound Uh, given Miss McCraw's scent from clothes left left in her room the bloodhound followed a trail up to the rock and stood uh, bristling and growling for nearly 10 minutes at a circular platform halfway up circular platform? Failing to find any tangible traces and convinced that no one could have survived that long in the bush, the police called off the search. The very next day, the Friday, so almost a full week, Mike Fitzhubert and Albert Crundle decided to make a search of their own. At sundown, having found nothing, Mike decided to spend the night on the rock. Albert returned to the Colonel Fitzhubert's residence um, uh, at Lakeview to make Mike's excuses. So one of them covering for the other. Okay, for not one wise not come back. Yeah. The next morning when he returned to the rock, he followed Mike's trail and discovered him unconscious, suffering from exposure and with a badly twisted ankle. Mike was carried home and treated by the doctor again. Um, that night, Albert found a hastily scribbled note in Mike's pocket, which, though largely incoherent, suggested that Mike had indeed found something on the rock. On the Sunday morning, another search party was sent out and to the utter astonishment, they found Irma Leopold, one of the okay. original... Okay, so it's been pretty much a week, and then all of a sudden she's now... Yeah, the police had called off a search. Back and it in was, business. Yeah. She was unconscious, had several bruises and minor cuts to the head, and her fingernails were broken and torn. Otherwise, she seemed to have suffered little as a result of spending over a week in the bush. Her shoeless feet were clean and unmarked. Most extraordinary of all, her corset was missing. She had not been sexually assaulted. When she when she revived, she could remember nothing of her ide- her ordeal. There the story ends. Emma could tell nothing of what happened, and Miranda, Marion, and Miss McCraw were never seen again. As a result of this episode, pupils were removed from Appleyard College, and it was forced to close. Some months later, Miss Appleyard drove out to Hanging Rock and climbed it alone. Her body was subsequently found at the foot of a precipice. So she died? Yeah. 
whether by um, suicide or suicide or otherwise mis- mysterious. Yeah, yeah. Um, the mystery the mystery of hanging rock has given rise to endless speculation. For those disinclined to accept a paranormal explanation, there are two possibilities: the girls may simply have got lost and died from exposure on the rock. Their bodies may have lain hidden in undergrowth at the foot of a cliff or in a cave where they had fallen until disposed of by animals, insects, and bacteria. Edith's amnesia might have been due to hysteria or to a fall. Irma's might have been caused by the traumatic experience of being separated and surviving alone for a week. She may have removed her corset in order to move move more freely. Um, This, of course, could also be the reason why Miss McCraw removed her skirt. The second possibility is that they were the victims of some crime. One theory has been put forward that Mike Fitzhubert and Albert Crundle may have kidnapped the girls after murdering Miss McCraw, holding them hidden in the colonel's estate to gratify their sexual desires. Naughty men. (laughs) Naughty men. Um, And that is where the, the... speculation around earthly theories ends other theories are less earthbound this is what i like this is where we're going okay it has even been suggested that the girls were spirited away by aliens perfect i knew there had to be one of these (laughs) in this certainly the rock itself is distinctive enough for those inclined to the idea to serve as some intergalactic beacon like the devil's tower in the film close encounters of the second plus one kind it's like, present, it's like some alien car park and they're just there in the car park they get picked up and whisked the presence of a ufo might also explain why the watches stopped this is a common experience reported by witnesses of alien craft when recounting how she had seen miss mccraw edith horton did say she had seen a strange pink cloud around that time evidence perhaps of mysterious goings on in the sky Another theory put forward offers the suggestion that the girls may have possibly slipped into some kind of time warp, emerging in the past or in the future. This theory makes makes much of the strange pink cloud. Both Christian Doppler and Albert Einstein suggested that bodies departing from sight at an unnaturally high speed would be seen by those left behind through a redshift, a distortion of the light spectrum. Could this pink cloud perhaps have harbored Miss McCraw disappearing at high speed as a time traveller? Now, 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 if you've ever been to a family, do. I have to say your name again. <laughs> Come on. Bleep it. Um, <laughs> they love doing the time warp. Yeah. So I must say, so with, the, with your family, do. Yeah. Is there any pink clouds ever appearing when, like, you, your dad, your your Oh, your dad's mom. got a fog machine. So this is probably quite pertinent then. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a thing. Nice. Okay, so they could link in with the time warp. Yep. Okay, so we'll link in here. Other ideas are that the girls may have crossed into a parallel universe, or that primeval qualities in the rock itself had spirited the victims away, as apparently favoured by the film Picnic at Hanging Rock. So what really happened on St. Valentine's Day? There is no concrete evidence that the disappearances were the result of any of these facts or fictions. The end. So I was about to say this, that there is a movie, uh, Picnic mm. at Hanging Rock, 1975, was yes. released. Yes. And uh, director Peter Weir, who also directed Dead Poet Society and The Truman Show. Very nice. And 
I just did a research here, and mm-hmm. there are some stories that have literally come through the last 12 hours. That, um Picnic at Hanging Rock, this is, is being picked up as an Amazon Prime series. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Huh. So um, Amazon has added another series to its roster, Picnic at Hanging Rock, based on the book. Wow. Um, so it says, uh, hailing from Fremantle Media International, Picnic at Hanging Rock is about the mysterious disappearances of three schoolgirls and one teacher on Valentine's Day 1900. Mm. The complex interwoven Saint narrative... Valentine's Day. <laughs> doesn't say that. <laughs> follows the subsequent investigation and the event's far-reaching impact on the students, families and staff at Apple Yard College and on the nearby township. Very nice. So this story... So timely. This story came out at uh, 9.36am Pacific Time on July 20, 2017 from... It's about 12 hours after I read yeah. it in the book. Creepy, eh? <laughs> like it's been picked up and you'll see this on Amazon Prime. If, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Nice one. Thus ends my story. Thoughts? Um, I really like that. I, I, I love the fact that it's been um, over 100 years. There's mm-hmm. still mysterious connotations about it. And <laughs> that um, like there's been a movie in, sort of 40, you know, in the last 40 years. But yep. now also it's going to be picked up as a TV series <laughs> yeah. on Amazon. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Like, how often do you just pick a random mystery out of a book and then find out on the same day it's also going to be a TV <laughs> series? Got the green light for a TV like series. That, yeah. That probably happens, you know, 30 or 40 times a year. Is Hardly that? ever. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something paranormal I, I could think, report? I think it could be something paranormal. Like, maybe I was channeling the decision to green light a thing and came across a story and resonated with me. Do you know it's also a bit weird? That yes. this story reminded me of something paranormal that happened to me as a child. Right. But I need to get the details from Ma and Pa. Uh-huh. Because they uh, they know it. I remember Mum telling me about this and uh-huh. her being freaked out. All right. So I'll save that till next week. Yeah, do that. A cliff, cliff, cliffhanger? Cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> or more more appropriately a cliffhanger yeah <laughs> both equally fine so um this time around it is your turn to get me some strange yes right. um it is so in this segment i uh perform, well, you're gonna do the intro i'm to saying this. in this segment i perform for you and um you know whatever tickles your fancy makes me stop and we uh sort of you know, give you a wee experience to you know, go go out with. So, okay, that, that I'll, good also, I'll also <laughs> enter the segment. It's about right, isn't it? Segment is uh, mysteries. What is it called? The segment is called. Before we jump into this, do we, oh, actually, do we actually fully analyze the picnic hanging rock? Like, I think maybe we just maybe I jumped into it with my uh, movie stuff. But do you have a theory on what actually happened? Or are you... um, I'd like to think it was aliens, not for the victim's sake, obviously, but. Um, there's something strange about the fact that a police search could t- couldn't turn up anything, yep. and then two days later they found someone. And also for someone to turn up pretty much untouched, and yep. the idea of like um, clothing missing is mm-hmm. sort of a, a prime kind of abducted and was stripped and something was done to them. Yeah, kind of, um, and also lost like not being able to remember things too. All mm-hmm. those seem to me like you said aliens. It seems to be like sort of uh, clear examples of. Um, typical abduction phenomena that we would recognize these days mm-hmm. um the other thing was around uh, watch stopping um yes it's something missing kind of time st- yeah, yeah missing time yeah the um the fact that they had trackers and the tracks led to um a platform and then um yeah that one of the trackers too. was a, a dog which um flared up at the um 
at the platform where the tracks stopped for a good 10 minutes. So I wonder why only one person was returned. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they were returned somewhere else or yeah. to a different timeline or something like that, like they say. Yeah, so if it was a UFO or some sort of interdimensional or intertime-mentional mm-hmm. travel. I don't think that's a phrase I just made a lot. <laughs> we'll call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get that in the urban ditch. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Okay, that's good. That's good analysis. I like that. I think we did well on that. Yeah, um, that that shows that if you ever see an, uh, a rad-looking book at a yeah, yard sale about paranormal things buy it Dime on that years you? later yeah. you'll pull it out of your bookshelf and it'll give you fodder for a podcast it is <laughs> every time yeah and if you're thinking about starting a podcast go to a yard sale find an old book and just read about it on 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 like kind of the radio in a way is that you having a go like at me not doing research i like that story i really did <laughs> I would, like I say, I wouldn't have done it if it was a crap story. I think it's one of your best. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My research falls over. I should just read from books. It is, but also the fact that um, it had a tie-in to the fact that that for some reason they're making that a TV series yeah. and it was announced today. So yeah. that's so weird. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. I, yeah, odd. <clears throat> so. At, at 12, the clocks on their things stopped at 12. <laughs> things as in watches. The, the, the hands on their watches <laughs> stopped at 12. I read it, and 12 hours later, there was an article that went up that 12 hours later we did a, a podcast about. And I can also find 12 in here because there are 12 or more words written about this in an article online. There you go. Yeah. How many episodes did um, Amazon Prime order? Six. No. <laughs> I don't know, Two say. seasons. <laughs> cool. Uh, oh, and here we go. Yeah. Picnic Hanging Rock will have its world premiere in the 2018. 12? Which, if you deduct six and add four... <laughs> And, and then deduct take six, six again, and add two. two is 12. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah. This next segment of the podcast is called Get Me Some Strange. It has music that sounds like this. And it involves uh, one of us, in this case Tony, flicking through the 1982 Reader's Digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained, a book I found at a yard sale for very little. Um, yeah. Tony will recently come to the conclusion that I'm the best at this segment, <laughs> so I actually uh, win this segment, so... Uh, you win this segment? Yeah, I win this segment. What's the score of the segment so uh, far? 12 nil. Whoa, another one. <laughs> Even though we've done 20 episodes. <laughs> but I think on two episodes we haven't had the book. There was the episode when we were at my where parents' you place. It. Where I forgot it. Yeah. And then when we phoned one in a few episodes ago. That's right. So, I can't believe we've made 20 episodes. Okay, so yeah. So it was 12 nil. Okay, so and what have I got to do to get on the board here? Yeah, you have to try harder. You're not going to get on today. I will give you it my best shot. I can tell you it's already 13 nil, to be honest. Uh, so you'll flick through the book, I'll say stop, and then we'll read the random story that it that um, it falls on. I found another 12, by the way. In yep. the sponsored content at the bottom of the Variety website, high school dropout invested $12 in Bitcoin in 2011 now he's a millionaire. That's not clickbait. That's that's fact. That's fact. <laughs> you can start a podcast about that guy. 
Um, and also OJ Hang on, the music's already going for Get Me Some Strange, so hurry up. All right. <laughs> Musical run out. Okay. Um, so have we, have we explained how this works? I have. Yeah, I might re-explain it just to be sure. <laughs> well, you already explained it, and then we deviated back <laughs> so you, into the story. Well, no, normally, I explain it, you explain it to correct me, then I explain it to correct you. Okay, yeah. I'll, start, I'll start, start flicking. The book, or... <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Stop. Uh, what okay. section did we land okay. in? We are in. We're in the land of. It looks a little bit religious. <laughs> You'd like that. I do like religion. To your upbringing. Uh, or maybe it's not. Maybe that was just a photo. We're in inexplicable crimes and assaults. Oh. Let's do that. Um. Okay. The thing about. I mean, they say inexplicable. What did they write about it? They're explaining, are they not? So this section where I've landed on is um, it's, a, it's sort of a, a subtitled The Spear of Thought. So I'll just read you this wee introduction here. Mm-hmm. In many primitive societies, there is a belief that, by some means of accepted ritual, a hex or curse can be leveled against an individual. And unless the curse is ritually cancelled, the dire predictions of pain injury or death will be fulfilled so I'll uh, read you this one uh, here prove it because <laughs> uh, it's a word I can't pronounce it'll, it'll be fun okay a prophecy self-fulfilled on a Friday the 13th in 1946 a Georgia midwife was called upon to deliver three babies in the same area of Okefenokee Swamp. That's not what I pronounced right. <laughs> I was going to say. For some malevolent reason, the woman put a curse on all three of the infant girls. What a bitch. Of the what? Infant girls. Oh, uh, yeah. What, what absolute bitch. Hang on. Is this a Disney movie? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. This is 1946. Right. She's a Georgia midwife. Okay. She said that one would die before she was 16 years of age. Another would be dead before she reached 21, and the third would not live to see her 23rd birthday. Unless she pricked her finger on a... Yeah, spinning wheel. Spinning wheel. Or is that... Yeah, right. Kissing kissing men, maybe. <laughs> you kiss men. Frogs? If you kiss men, you'll be okay. Frogs. Um, the first two predictions were violently accurate. One girl, at 15, was in a fatal automobile accident. The second was killed by gunfire in a nightclub brawl the night before her 21st birthday. What year is this? When is this happening? 1946. Cray mm. cray, right? You're hanging out in the wrong nightclub, surely. Yeah. yeah. Two years later, in 1969, the third woman visited... Sorry, the third woman asked to enter a Baltimore hospital. You're asking for it going to Baltimore, to be honest. Declaring, hysterically, that she was doomed to die before her 23rd birthday which was only three days away. Although there was apparently nothing wrong with her physically, she was obviously under great emotional stress and was admitted to the hospital for observation. The next morning, just two days before the fateful date, the girl was found dead in her bed, the victim, evidently, of her belief in the power of the midwife's curse. What? 
<laughs> yeah. So which bit do they live happily ever after? Uh, I don't kiss any men. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Sheesh. Well, on that morbid note, we'll call it a week. Yes, yeah, so I think any moral story is kiss frogs and men and make yourself available in general. And <laughs> maybe you'll be okay. Yeah. And don't go to nightclubs with guns or go in cars. I mean, to be honest, like, they could, like, there was a big nightclub shooting just last year in the States, so it's really, like, nothing's changed. Don't be controversial. Oh, sorry. On that note, I think that's us. Yeah, I think that's it. Catch you next week. Uh, Toodle, ooh.